Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning, and we're excited to have Dan and Monica Brown with us. They uh, are joining us here. Isn't that great? You guys want to stand up? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Dan and Monica have been on overseas staff with Cole for over 30 years, and they're here for a month or so. You'll get to hear Dan preach, and uh, you'll have other opportunities to connect with them. So uh, we're excited to have you guys with us. Some of you may be surprised that I'm standing up here today because Rod was scheduled to preach today on 1 Kings 21, but this week he got exposed to uh, somebody with COVID and needs to isolate, and so he will actually teach that passage next Sunday. So I'm doing the passage that I was preparing for the next week, which is 1 Kings 22. So if you're in growth groups, that'll throw you off a little bit, I know, but that way you'll get to hear me teach, and then you'll get to study that 1 Kings 22 in your meeting this coming week. One of my most vivid memories from when I was just really small was when I was age five, and I was working on, in front of our house. Our house was on a hill, and there was a gravel road in front that came up right in front of our house. And... Um, and one day I was out there weeding all the family, were out there doing various things, and I was right next to the road and pulling some weeds at age five, doing a little work, and across the road from me were my two younger brothers, age three and one and a half. And they were playing in the edge of the sagebrush, and, and then they started walking across the road. But a car started coming up, and it just so happened the sun was setting right in his eyes, so the driver could not see anything. And I yelled for them. I yelled for my brothers, go back. There's a car coming. They both heard me, but only one of them listened. The three-year-old turned around and went back. The year and a half kept toddling across the road, and I still remember the sickening thud as the car hit him and drug him in the gravel. Fortunately, he was okay, uh, in the hospital for a while, but survived it, didn't get hit by the wheel, so thankfully he was all right, and we've been able to tease him for all his life that he still has rocks in his head from the gravel. So, uh, but that story sticks in my mind today as we're thinking about how one of them listened. They both heard, but only one listened. The other did not. We live in a world where there's many voices speaking to us all the time. And we have a choice to choose what voice or voice says we will listen to. But it's important we recognize that the voices we listen to are a matter of life and death. If you listen to the wrong voice, it will lead you into a road where you don't even know the dangers are coming. You see, it really matters who you're listening to. In 1 Kings 22, King Ahab has a decision to make. Is he going to go to war? And he gets input from several different sources, but the foolish choice he makes ends up costing him his life. And this passage will cause us, hopefully today, to consider what voice are we listening to? What do we look to for wisdom, for insight, for knowledge, for guidance? Who do you trust? 
for input. Who, who do I trust? Who am I listening to? Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this passage together, uh, we're overwhelmed by the voices that are shouting at us from so many different sources. Help us today just clarify very clearly what it means to listen to your voice above all the others and let you guide us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I look at this passage, as we walk through it, I notice six different voices that are speaking to Ahab and to Jehoshaphat, the two kings. Three of those voices are internal, three are external. Five of the six are dangerous to listen to. And yet they're voices that we tend to listen to a lot. So it's important we begin to discern what voices are we listening to. The first one I want to highlight is personal ambition. One of the voices that stands out and we hear a lot is personal ambition. You see this at the beginning. Three years had passed since there was any war, verse 1 says. You see, Ahab has a chance to have peace. God's given him peace. And that is really what kings are supposed to bring to their country is peace and calm so that people can live flourishing lives. But Ahab says, no, you know, I want Ramoth Gilead. I want to go to war. I want more than what God's given me. You see, there's a discontentment about his life. Pride will always lead us to be dissatisfied, to want something more than what God's given us. It's been true since Adam and Eve. They were in the Garden of Eden. They were in a perfect place. They had intimacy with God, and yet Satan got them to begin to say, no, I need more. God may be holding out on me. I could be like God. And so even though they had everything they needed, they were dissatisfied. That personal ambition began to drive them. Satan appealed to that. And many times I've watched Christians and non-Christians as well get caught up in listening to that voice of personal ambition. My, my house just isn't big enough, so I need something bigger. I, I need a, a better job, a more prestigious job. I need to make more money. I need a place of more influence. I need a more important ministry in the church. I, I need, I need, I need more. And what ends up happening is we end up not being happier. We end up being more enslaved to whatever we've given ourselves over to, more trapped. So one voice we should learn to recognize and reject is that voice speaking to us, the voice of personal ambition. The second voice I want to highlight is one that's really common, and that's popular opinion, right? Popular opinion. You know, in verse 5, it says, um, verse 4, Jehoshaphat says, I am as you are, the, my people as your people. Now, Jehoshaphat is a godly king, but for some reason he agrees to do this war with, uh, with Ahab. And in verse 5, notice what Jehoshaphat says. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire first for the word of the Lord. Jehoshaphat cares about getting God's guidance, which is where we should be. And he asked, well, if I, we're going to go to war, we need God's guidance in this. We need to look to him. And he, so he asked for a prophet of God to come. So what does Ahab do? Well, he gets 400 prophets together of his own prophets, 
to come and get advice from. Now, who are these 400 prophets? They claim to speak for Yahweh, the true God, but, but we aren't really told who they are. But remember back in chapter 18 when Elijah was on the Mount Carmel and he called down fire and they, he defeated the 450 prophets of Baal. It says there were also 400 prophets of Asherah there. But then it says the prophets of Baal were taken down to the river Kishon and killed but not the other 400. So the text, I think, is encouraging us to think that these are those 400 prophets of Asherah. Now they're, you know, they don't care who they prophesy for. You know, they just want a job. And so they're prophesying now for Yahweh or whatever. But, but they're giving false testimony, false prophecy. And so, um, so they give this prophecy that, yeah, you, you know, go up for the Lord will give it into your hand. All 400 of us are saying it. You know, this is great. And they all agree. But Jehoshaphat says, wait a minute. Isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? And of course, Ahab says, well, there's Micaiah. But I hate the guy because he never says anything good about me. Well, of course not. Ahab, you're an evil king. You, you aren't following the Lord. And then notice what happens as Micaiah comes. They bring him, and in verse 13 and 14, Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak So Ahab gets the prophets together, 400 of them. They're all saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, go fight this war. You're going to be fine. And Micaiah gets pressured by this messenger, right? Hey, hey, don't don't mess. The king's kind of happy now. He he got the message he wanted, (laughs) the popular opinion. So don't mess with that, Micaiah. Just agree with everybody else. Don't cause waves. Now, We get this, don't we? I mean, don't we get pressured to live by popular opinion? I mean, it's natural. And if if we haven't learned it yet, by the time we get to junior high, we we know what that's like, right? Because junior high, I mean, you don't want to step out of line. Your antennas are up. You're figuring out what everybody else is doing, and you want to fit in. Because if you don't fit in, man, junior hires can be mean. So we learn pretty quickly to go along with popular opinion. And you know what? We all continue that, don't we, as adults? We check out what everyone else is doing. (laughs) We want to fit in to the public opinion. We look to the crowd for advice. We tend to have our antennas up to see what everybody else is doing. Or if it's not everybody out there, because especially in our day and age, there's so many different opinions, we we look for our particular tribe, our particular group, and we let them determine our advice, what we think, etc. Whether it's our political party, our economic group, our geographic area, our family, our whatever, we, we find our tribe and we fit in there because we don't like to stand out. A friend at Cole wrote this, and I just wanted to read part of it. Here's what I see. As a person who's lived my whole life within the context of the church, 
People are being discipled by things or people that have not earned the privilege to disciple them. Christians are being discipled by things and people that do not care for them or have their best interests at heart. They're being discipled by people who don't even know Jesus, and yet we are allowing it to happen because it caters right to our fears and insecurities and sinful desires. We're letting news outlets, social media algorithms, power-hungry politicians, conspiracy theorists, celebrity pastors, podcasters have more influence on our lives than our very own pastors, she writes, because these others say what our itching ears want to hear. Now, I appreciate the encouragement to listen to your pastor, but I would say, don't take my words at face value, but check them out. Be a good Berean. Check it out with the word, okay? But it does bring to mind all the things that we tend to listen to and look to to disciple us, to shape our thinking, to shape our lives, rather than ultimately the Lord and his word. But whatever Whenever we follow the crowd, no matter what size that crowd is, it's always dangerous. Remember the crowd that was standing in the temple area crying, crucify him. A lot of them probably didn't even know who they were talking about. They were just part of the crowd. Wow, everybody else is doing it. I guess I will too. You see, we need to make sure we recognize this voice shouting at us to always live by public opinion and choose not to follow it. We must not listen to popular opinion for guidance. What must we listen to? Well, our third voice that we see in this passage is God's voice. It is God's voice. Let me read 15 through 18. So Micaiah shows up. He comes to the king. The king said, Micaiah, should we go up to Ramoth-Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up. Sure, Ahab, fine, go up. You know, you'll succeed. Uh, And the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. (laughs) Now, I don't know how he said it, but clearly Ahab knew that he was messing with him. (laughs) Because notice what the king says next. Then the king said to him, How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Now think about how absurd that is. Ahab is listening to all the other prophets. He's listening to popular opinion. He got the answer he wanted. And he got the answer he wanted from Micaiah. But then he tells Micaiah, No, how many times do I have to tell you? So apparently he's done this before, right? Where Micaiah is messing with him. And he says... How many times must I tell you to tell me only the truth in the Lord? And yet he doesn't want to hear the truth. But he knows this is a prophet of God who speaks truth. You see, deep down, Ahab knew what the truth was. Deep down, we know when we are wrong. And brothers and sisters, I think so often when we get defensive about other opinions that differ from ours, whether they're political opinions or theological opinions or whatever they are, when we get defensive and angry and want to fight, I think it's often because deep down we're insecure about our own position. And we feel like we need to defend it because we aren't that convinced somehow. Deep down, like Ahab, we know. We know we're wrong. 
and we end up in internet attacks of other believers and all kinds of things, and it's just wrong, brothers and sisters. And then you get this wild scene. I'm not going to take time to read it, but verse 19 through 23 where Micaiah says, yeah, Lord's on his throne, and, and he says, how can I deceive Ahab and get him to go die in battle? A deceiving spirit comes up and says, I'll, I'll, I'll entice him to do that. Now, I don't know. This is a wild scene. I don't know if Micaiah is just kind of telling a parable or if he's really seeing something that happened in heaven. I don't know. But it does confirm God's control of everything, how God's in control even of the spirits. He's, he knows what he's doing. And this word entice is really interesting. It's used three times in the passage, and it's this idea that it's, it's being open, so open to everything that you're not discerning at all. Who will lead Ahab to be open to something that's just foolish? Ray Stedman used to like to say, um, who one of the guys who discipled me, liked to say that uh, many people are so open-minded, their brains fall out. You know, because we're so open-minded, and, but what God calls us to do is to commit to truth. To follow him, to say, yes, Lord, whatever you say, I'm willing to follow, even if it's difficult for me or difficult to understand. You see, if we're committed to biblical truth first and filter everything through that, God will honor that and he'll speak to us. Otherwise, we are what the Bible calls a fool. So God's prophet here, Micaiah, speaks truth and, you see, God's truth, his word, is the only place we can go to have real security about life. So we need to carefully search the word and pray and look for the confirmation of the spirit and look for the affirmation of godly people who've walked with God for a long time. God's spirit will lead us into all the truth. Remember John 16, verse 12 and 13 says that um, God's spirit, you, you can't handle everything now. Jesus tells his disciples, but God's spirit will lead you into all truth. And the spirit does that in our lives, just like he did for the disciples. There's an election in two days. How are you thinking about that election? What are your emotions that are tied to that? You see, if are you feeling fear? Or do you have this confidence that God's in control and he'll put in power who he wants for his greater purposes, even though it may seem contrary to what we think he ought to do? Do you go to God in prayer asking him, Lord, how should I view this election? And do you dig through the word and say, what, is, what does it say about your control of nations and how you li- raise up kings and you, how you remove kings and leaders and how you are working out a greater purpose for the kingdom of God? Do we rest in that and look to him for our perspective about things like an election? Or do we just take in what the media tells us and get stirred up and afraid about my, what might happen and all of that? If so, we're being deceived. We're being enticed. Our minds are too open. We're not committed to truth. And we're on dangerous ground. We are, we are walking on a road that's dangerous. 
Or like Jesus puts it, we're building our house on the sand. Remember what he said. He said, the, wise, the, the foolish man hears the word but doesn't do it. And that's the person who builds his house. On, we may hear a lot, but do we commit our souls to it and commit to take on the perspective of the scriptures? Or do we let the world, the other voices, shape us? God's truth is the voice we must listen to. Another voice we should not listen to. Our fourth voice is self-interest. Self-interest. Now, verse 29 says this. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramoth-Gilead. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I think about Jehoshaphat, who's overall seen as a godly king. He makes some mistakes. But why in the world did he even join with Ahab, the evil king, but even stay with him and go to war with him after he heard, after he heard Micaiah give this testimony, this prophecy that Ahab's going to die in this war. The way I concluded is that Jehoshaphat decides, well, you know what? Ahab's going to die, but, but you know what? If he dies, then maybe I'll get Ramoth-Gilead and I'll get more power and I'll get more plunder and I'll get more prestige. In other words, he chooses to act in self-interest. I think too often we make decisions based on self-interest, on what benefits me the most. What's the best financial deal for me? What will give me the most influence? What will give me the most prestigious job? What will give me the least amount of work, <laughs> the most power, etc., etc.? What's the common thread in all that? Me. Self-interest. It's about me. Our world tells us to live by self-interest, doesn't it? It even drives our capitalistic economy that says, everybody seek your own self-interest and it'll benefit everybody the most, which actually, it's not working <laughs> very well at all. I just see many of us, even toward, headed toward retirement, I can't wait till I can just live for me. And believe me, those kinds of people because I work with them all the time in men's ministry and in the church, are bored. <laughs> They're not happy. But those who say, you know what? God, what do you have for me? How do you want to use my retirement years for the kingdom? I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I am your servant, your child, and you have a plan for me. I want to follow that. Those are the people who live an adventurous life. Those are the people who are fulfilled in retirement years. But it's true in all our years, right? All our years, we should not be living by self-interest, but by, Lord, what do you have for me? What are you calling me to? Letting God shape our worldview, letting God shape the direction of our lives rather than living by self-interest. In fact, God says, don't live by self-interest. In fact, he says, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake, we are, um, will save it. We're called to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And let me ask you this. Think about this for a second. Did Jesus ever live by self-interest? It's pretty easy to answer, right? I can't think of a time. 
And yet we're called to follow in his steps, to set aside our own will, to love God and love others as we love ourselves. What is he saying there? You already love yourself. (laughs) You already live by self-interest. So the challenge is to stop doing that and live for the sake of others. Are we listening to our own self-interest, that voice that's clamoring for attention? Next voice that we tend to listen to a lot is our own reasoning, another internal voice. Now in verse 30, as they're getting ready to go to war, the king of Israel, it says, Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, I'll disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into the battle. Now this strikes me as just crazy. I mean, right? Ahab got a prophecy from God, you're going to die. He thinks, let's see, I've got to figure out a way to, to avoid dying. I'm going to bypass God's prophecy. I'm going to fool him and I'm going to fool the Arameans. So I'll just not wear my robes and I'll disguise myself as a commoner and I'll let Jehoshaphat wear the robes and if, you know, that way they'll go after him instead of me. Now, this whole thing's crazy, for one, because... Ahab's coming up with his own plan that you can't bypass God's plan. But why did Jehoshaphat go along with this? So what happens is the Arameans say, don't kill anybody except the king. Go after him. And they see Jehoshaphat and they're going after him. But he cries out, it says. And what happens is they recognize him somehow or somehow. You got to say God did this, right? In the midst of the war, they said, don't kill him, that's Jehoshaphat. We're going, we want to see if we can find Ahab. And a random arrow goes through the armor of Ahab and he gets propped up for the day, you can read it yourself, and bleeds to death and he dies. We're taught from early on in life to trust our own ability to figure things out, aren't we? <laughs> if I can just figure out a plan, if I can just do it, And I know many Christians who think certain things and assume they must be true when they're not. By the way, brothers and sisters, the Internet developers have preyed upon this. They have these algorithms that they work out that as you you click on something, say with Google, you do a search or whatever, and, and they begin to feed you more information and more information in this certain direction, and you start putting two and two together and you think, yeah, this must be true because what I'm seeing here and this and this, they're feeding you that. (laughs) They're leading you down a path. It's all part of their job to make money. If you watch the documentary, The Social Dilemma, you'll see how they do this. They lead you down a path and you think you're figuring all this out. They're just feeding you the information so they get you to believe what they want you to believe. That's the foolishness of relying on our own reasoning because you end up getting manipulated and controlled. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord and do not lean on your understanding. Our understanding is fallen. Every part of us, our mind, emotions, will, are twisted. And we need to have a humility about life. 
We should always be humble about the things we think we've figured out, and we must always be willing to submit our thinking to God's Word and to God's people and say, you know, I'm thinking this. Is that true or not? And we need to share with one another and encourage one another to seek the truth and help us find the truth together instead of relying on this voice that I can figure it out. When we rely on our own reasoning, we're stepping out on a dangerous road. The final voice I want to highlight here is family. Now, that may sound like an odd one, but I think it's something that often leads us astray, leads us on the wrong path. In 1 Kings 21, last chapter, 21, verse 25, it says this, Surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. He got in big trouble. He was a weak man. But he listened to his wife, who happened to be very, very evil. Turn over to 22, 43. 22, verse 43. Talking about Jehoshaphat now. It says, He walked in all the way of Asa, his father. He did not turn aside from it, doing right in the sight of the Lord. However, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed, burned incense, etc. Jehoshaphat followed his father, Asa, did he, what he wanted him to do. Then you turn over, turn to verse 52 of our chapter, 2252, talking about, well, starting in 51, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned two years over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother, Jezebel, and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Sometimes input from our family is good. Sometimes it's not. We see several examples here. But it's important to understand that all of us are shaped by our families. Do we listen to them as our primary authority? Or do we listen to the Lord? Jeannie likes to tease me because she'll, she'll say, you know, what you're doing there, that's just like your dad. <laughs> that's what your dad used to do. And it's true. There's certain mannerisms I've just picked up. Uh, our families influence in all kinds of ways. But in my own spiritual growth, much of my growth has been centered around seeing how my life has been shaped by my family, either imitating them unthinkingly often, or for a lot of us and for myself to some degree, seeing what our parents did and choosing to do the opposite purposely because of our own woundedness, our own pain, whatever it might be. But either way, you're letting your parents shape your decisions, not the Lord. See, that's where it gets messy and dangerous, right? Instead, do we run everything by the Lord through his word, understand how our parents have impacted us and appreciate the good and etc., but, but do we let the Lord and his words shape our worldview more than the world around us, more than our parents, etc. More than the news or the internet or whatever else. Are we hearing his voice 
And are we willing to say when we hear his voice, not my will, but yours be done? Are we willing to not just hear, but to listen, to do what he says, even when we don't understand? See, the challenge for us is who, who are we really listening to? It's a dangerous world. Is God shaping your life or is someone or something else? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It's a living word. It's God's very word spoken to us. That's why it, it can impact your life today and lead you and guide you and teach you to know him and grow you in intimacy. And it's, it's a God-breathed world. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable. What is Paul saying there? He's saying, hey, if you're going to invest in anything, invest in this. Invest your time, invest your thinking, invest your heart in this. Read it, but not just read it to hear it, but read it to listen to it. Lord, what are you calling me to do, to think, to believe differently than before? All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, correction, rebuke, and training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. You want to be able to handle a pandemic really well? You want to know how to handle life well and the mess that's going on around us? This is how you do it. You invest in this, and the return will be a thousandfold. Who are you listening to? Let's pray. Lord, may we be people who recognize the other voices that are speaking to us, but learn to be discerning and to run everything through your word. May we invest our time, our thoughts, our energy in your word, not in all the other voices that will lead us to a dangerous place. Thank you that you've spoken to us, that you've revealed reality to us. May we live by that reality, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.